0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent, documentary, and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Hallelujah. Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song, is the definitive exploration of poet, singer, songwriter, Leonard Cohen, as seen through the prism of his internationally renowned hymn, Hallelujah. This feature-length documentary weaves together three creative strands, the songwriter and his times, the song's dynamic journey from record label reject to chart-topping hit, and moving testimonies from major recording artists for whom Hallelujah has become a personal touchstone. The song enjoyed a new life. In 1991 after being covered by John Cale and later on by Jeff Buckley on his album grace and evolved through countless versions to become one of the most beloved songs of all time the film again is called hallelujah Leonard Cohen a journey a song and we're joined today by the co-directors of the film that would be Dana Goldfine and Daniel Geller to both of you welcome to film school radio Thank you. Thank Good you so here.
1: much for having us.
0: As I told you before, we got started. Big fan of Leonard Cohen on so many different levels. So many of his songs are are they resonate to this day, and they're some of them are fifty years old. They mean something because he put his heart and soul into what he did, and it, it's obvious from from that. Tell me a little bit about how this project got underway. Where, where what's your connection to Leonard Cohen? How did it begin?
1: So we initially saw Leonard Cohen and really fell in love with him in around 2009, when he was making his great comeback victory lap tour for five years around the world. And he came to Oakland and friends said, if you've never seen Leonard Cohen, you go. So they bought us a pair of tickets and we it was, in, it was like love at first listen here, you know, be in presence of. And then flash forward about five years, we finished our last project. The Galapagos Affair, and we were just starting to kick around new ideas and open our heart to new ideas. We were having dinner with David Thompson, the film writer, and he suggested that we consider doing a documentary about a song, which originally didn't really strike any chords. But then a few minutes later in the conversation, the image of Leonard Cohen getting onto his knees at the Paramount Theater to begin singing Hallelujah just flooded back. And I turned to Dan and I said, you know what, Dan, I know the song. I know the artist.
0: We should consider doing a documentary about Leonard Cohen looked at through the prism of Hallelujah. And there you go. And so what was your first step? Where do you begin a project like that?
2: well, the, the first thing we did is, uh, as most people do, is uh, type in a Google search. <laughs> uh, and you know, Leonard Cohen, Hallelujah, up came pretty quickly. Uh, Alan Light's beautiful book, The Holy of the Broken. From that, we realized two things. One, that if there's a book, a successful book written about the song and its strange trajectory, uh, probably one could make a, a movie, and even though the movie doesn't track exactly with the book, you know, the, the idea would be that there's substance. Um, and then the the second is we got in touch with Alan quickly uh, to get his advice to ultimately to option the book and make him a consulting producer. So Alan gave us the the pathway to to Leonard through Robert Corey, his manager, um, and the politic of how to approach. Leonard, because he was not interested in interviews at that point in his life at all. He had just turned 80 and did not want to be involved, really, but was curious about what we were up to. Um, and I think curious about what people were thinking about his career and his life. So,
1: And he loved the book.
2: And he loved the book. And so he just took Alan's advice and asked for a, a tacit blessing. And, and what the tacit blessing also involves was that uh, it would mean that he would not block us from licensing the publishing rights from Sony Music because you have to have those rights in order to make the movie. And um, his blessing, in essence, also is an extension to Sony to say, go ahead and start negotiating with with Dan and Dana for for a license. Um, We're not going to stop it. Of course, that negotiation,
1: it made it possible, but it didn't make it easy. Um, It still took us two years to get Sony Publishing down to a rate that was at all feasible on the budget of an independent documentary.
0: I think we need to frame who Leonard Cohen is for our audience, for people who are not of a certain age. He may be a familiar uh, sounding name, but not really understand where he came into the music scene. And, and a little bit about his background as a writer poet. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of things about him.
2: A biography that there's plenty for each of us to, to, to offer up, but he grew up in a... Uh, well-to-do family in Montreal, uh, steeped in the Jewish tradition because his grandfather was a, a rabbi at a, the synagogue there, and his and his father was a couturier. He was a, had a fine clothing store, but Leonard grew up um, really as as a writer first, a writer, a poet, a novelist, and came to songwriting uh, at age 30, 32, somewhere in, in that moment. He had been very well known in Canada as a poet, extremely well-regarded, um, but not as a, a musician and as a songwriter, particularly.
1: In fact, he kind of, uh, you see it in our film, he he sort of shocks the, the world, or at least the interviewers, when he went on to the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Show to promote what was at the time, you know, his second book. And they were just expecting to interview him about the book. And instead he announced not that long before appearing that he actually wanted to sing. Um, And so Adrian Clarkson, who then was kind enough to appear in our film, you see her back then in the archival footage sort of looking at him perplexed and giving him a little bit of a hard time. Uh, And he comes out with this incredible response, which was in many ways very prescient and ahead of its time, where he says, you know, the borders have shifted. The borders have changed. It doesn't matter to me whether you say poet or writer or singer or songwriter, that those borders don't matter anymore.
0: That was a beautiful thing. And then I guess in progression of his story, him meeting Uh, Judy Collins was a huge part of his moving into the realm of becoming a musician, singer, songwriter, right? Let's talk a little bit about Judy and her importance.
1: Judy, I think, was the first, I mean, she was very, very famous at the time, and she did covers. Um, She wasn't yet a singer, a songwriter in her own right. So when she chose to cover something, it could catapult it out into the stratosphere. And Leonard kind of meekly played her, you know, Suzanne. (laughs) And which she had been told up in Montreal was just like every other song, uh, which I find shocking to this day, because it's still this unbelievably unique composition. Anyway, Judy finished uh, listening to it and she said, that is indeed a song and I'm going to record it. And that set him on the map, at least as a songwriter. Then she took it one step further and convinced him that he not only was a songwriter, but that despite a lot of doubts that he himself had, he could actually sing.
0: That's a beautiful part of the film because uh you could see the trepidation and there's a there's a bit about that how 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 much stage fright he had at the very beginning well he never was an artist who was going to sell out stadiums back in the late 60s and the 70s and during this period of time when he was such a prolific and um songwriter well prolific may not be the exact right word but he was he was doing a lot of work at that time but he was always someone who other artists admired for the the work that he did he had this sort of level of integrity to his work unique to his uh, to the sound that he that he was as an artist just so many things about him he managed and i feel like he had this kind of maybe wrong way to say it but he had kind of a glow around him there was something unique about him how would you describe his aura or his reputation i guess
2: i think there it's almost like what you see with um some very good actors there's something mysterious there's a reserve there the lights are on you can see that he's thinking but he's so preoccupied with the fundamental questions of of holiness and brokenness of yearning for Connection and sex and spirituality through relationships, but carnality—they were all roiling around in his mind, and I think they really preoccupied him. And so,
1: and came out in his music, and came out in
2: music and the writing. And so, you—you know, there. I think some of that aura is he was focused on uh, less uh, about the mundane and more about these deeper questions of personality and just uh, human nature. And his songwriting, his lyrics, I think the reason he, as you mentioned, was so respected is that his lyrics are unlike anybody else's. I mean, they are so deep. They have biblical references. They are funny. They're full of sexiness, but deep, deep, deep. And uh, I think other songwriters to this day, young and old, look to him and think, whoa, that is... That's Mount Olympus to climb on that one.
1: The the other thing to know is that he wasn't filling stadiums or anything even close to stadiums in the United States, but he was he was very successful even early on in Europe. He just couldn't figure out and Columbia couldn't figure out how to crack the American market. So one of the really crushing things about various positions and, you know, the album that had Hallelujah and many other great songs that became Cohen bestsellers. One of the the really tragic things about it being dropped by Columbia or not allowed to come out into the American market by Columbia is that that was the album that everyone had their hopes pinned on. It was the one that was supposed to launch Leonard in America. So when Columbia decided not even to put it out, it was crushing for many reasons. But one of them was that it was the album that was supposed to make him.
0: Well, that gives us a great time to talk about this amazing song and and how much dedication he put towards it hallelujah by the way we're the film we're talking about is hallelujah Leonard Cohen a journey a song we're speaking with the co-directors Dana Goldfein and Daniel Geller and that's exactly it I knew a little bit about this kind of legend of hallelujah and with the journey it was on but I didn't know to the extent that it was. Let's talk a little bit about this amazing song. And everyone, even if you don't know the title, you, everyone in the world has heard this song by now, right? I mean, I don't, I can't imagine that you haven't. Let's talk about it. Where the origin? You mentioned various positions of the album it was on. Let's talk about this sort of, like I said, the dedication he put towards writing. How many verses or how many versions? It's kind
1: of mythological. And some of them are rewritten subtly, like you know, just the first line of a verse might change like five times, or ten times, or twenty times. Um, you know, the the general notion, and I kind of would agree with it, Dan. After after looking through the notebooks, I, I kind of feel like there's eighty something in there.
0: Okay. So, yeah. how would you characterize the song? Again, well, I assume he, even
2: if you, go ahead. This song into very interesting directions. The first song, as he calls it, is the is the uh king david version it's a very rooted in the old testament but yes. then along the way he decided it didn't fit him anymore and so he changed it. this is after the the song had been rejected after the album went down into the defeat um but he was singing it live and in these concerts, and he decided to maneuver this into a more secular version, and of the four original recorded verses, three dropped out, and he put uh, four brand new ones in, so it was now a five verse song that skewed in a very different direction, so he had taken years to write the song in its first incarnation, refining, 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 and then throughout the rest of his life did keep changing. It did keep, uh, based on his own preoccupations, maneuvering it a little this way, a, a little bit that way, but always with the depth and sensitivity of the poet that he was, that the it, no line was a toss away. Every single couplet could be read in four or five different directions, which I think is one of the reasons why the song, when it eventually did become part of the public consciousness, finds its way into people's uh, hearts and minds at weddings, at funerals, times of celebration, times of mourning. It it fits everywhere because (laughs) any given couplet can be read in any direction. It's one of the most sophisticated pieces of songwriting uh, I've ever seen.
1: Robert Corey was Leonard's longtime manager and then now heads up the Leonard Cohen estate family trust. And he was generous enough to let us actually spend time with the five notebooks that Leonard used over the course of those, say, seven years, starting in the late 70s and going all the way through um, 84 when the album came out. Leonard would call it blackening the pages. And he really did. You just see, uh, and a given notebook might have three different versions of one of the Hallelujah verses. And then next to it, there might be a very, very early version of Anthem, um, which doesn't even come out until you know, 1993 and the future. But there it was just starting to percolate in his brain next to a Hallelujah verse.
0: And that's interesting that you said that because He was as good at the end as he was at any point in his career. Those last couple of albums were terrific, the work he was producing. Uh, I want to let people know that the film is being released through Sony Classics, and it will be available in theaters on July 1st. So be looking for this. I believe I'm sure it'll be in Los Angeles. I'm sorry I don't have in front of me where it'll be.
2: It starts at the Royal Theater on July 1st. And in fact, uh, Dana and I and Sharon Robinson from the film um, we'll be at the Royal on that Friday and Saturday for question and answer sessions, and then it'll widen out through lots of theaters in the LA area. Week or so. Fantastic! Tomorrow.
0: Thank you for that, and being with Sony. Congratulations on on that. Uh, another part of the film. How many other artists have picked it up? made it their own there's some very famous john kale did an amazing version so did jeff buckley so many others but those the first two i mentioned jeff buckley and john kale came in some ways to define the song or at least boosted it into a whole nother stratosphere of popularity and I, i love john kale's version if you know what you're doing if you know how to sing a song it's almost hard not to make a credible version of that song sound good does that sound right so,
1: I agree. I agree. I, I I feel like, you know, there are there are versions that people make fun of and, and whatnot, but I feel like the melody of the song yes. is so exquisite. I mean, when we were interviewing Judy, it's not actually in the film, but she's talked about how it's deceptively simple. It's it's so perfect and so pleasing to not just the ear, but the whole spirit, the whole human spirit. So I, I think it is hard to do a really
0: if you know what you're doing, if you can sing a song, if you can carry a tune, and you, yeah,
1: it, tune. I'm not sure I
0: could do it because I wouldn't <laughs> carry <play> a tune. <laughs> I'm so glad you decided you could do a documentary about his song.
1: <laughs> well, we didn't know, but, I mean, obviously, we t- we were taking a leap of faith. But um, <laughs> that initial sort of memory of Leonard at the Paramount Theater in Oakland doing Hallelujah, it was so so strong and indelible that I. I felt like, you know, if Dan was was open to the concept as well, that, that somehow it wasn't going to be easy, but that somehow we could make this.
2: Film. And I didn't realize that along the way, Leonard had changed the song so much. And we have recordings of him, visual recordings of him throughout, for really from 1984 to the end of his life, singing it in different stages of his life. And they're really different songs, not just the lyrics, but you can see what the emotional moment was for Leonard singing it originally versus singing it in a moment when he was drinking too much and realizing that he needed to get out of the recording business for years and go to mount baldy the zen monastery to just retreat and study for six years you can see even with leonard doing different versions musically
1: and then at the end of you know his life in that again that amazing five five years world tour you see him having really reached this spiritual grace and it comes. comes out, it came out in the whole concert, but you really see in that in that particular song.
0: And the way he lived his life is that of a true artist, an evolving artist. And, you know, I've always wondered why musicians feel so compelled to be locked into a version of a song they did when they were in their early 20s. And as their life progresses, they may change the way they sing the song. But this actually feels more authentic, more like If I were doing something, if I was good enough to do something like that, write a great song, I would feel like it should reflect just as he does. It should reflect where I'm at in my life. And the fact that he did it and it felt completely right for him to be doing it that way.
1: And also, you can't tell this in the film, but because we edited that last sequence where he's singing Hallelujah all around the world, what we discovered was that he sang it differently every night he sang it with the same passion the same spiritual the same
2: musical arrangement the
1: same musical arrangement but depending on how he was feeling that day he would switch verses so you know it was absolutely the same song it felt like the same song sounded like the same song but when we sat down in the editing room and tried to do this landscape of leonard starting you know in canada and then going all the way around the world it actually limited some of our choices about anything. Yeah. He would be singing different verses depending on how he felt that day.
0: Oh, that's amazing. The song will always reflect for people where they are, what's going on in their lives. It will, in some manner of speaking, be an answer to the things that are going on in their lives my congratulations to you. It's just a great documentary film about a wonderful artist called Hallelujah Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song. And we've been honored to have with us today, the co-directors, co-producers, co-writers, and that would be Dana Goldfein and Daniel Geller. To both of you, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It was a
1: pleasure. Thank you.